Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning and welcome to Nexa Resources' fourth quarter and full year 2021 conference call. All participants will be in listen-only mode. Should you need assistance, please signal a conference specialist by pressing the star key followed by zero. This event is being recorded and is also being broadcast via webcast and may be accessed through Nexa's Investor Relations website where the presentation is also available. After today's presentation, there will be an opportunity to ask questions. To ask a question, you may press star than 1 on your telephone keypad. To withdraw your question, please press star than 2. Remember that the participants of the webcast will be able to register via webcast questions. Simply type your question in the box and click send, and that will be answered soon. I would now like to turn the conference over to Mrs. Roberta Varela. Head of Investor Relations for opening remarks. Please go ahead. Good day and good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Nexa Resources' fourth quarter and full year 2021 earnings conference call. Thanks for joining us today. During the call, we will be discussing the company's performance as per the earnings release that we issued yesterday. We encourage you to follow along with this on-screen presentation through the webcast. Before we begin, I'd like to draw your attention to slide number two, as we will be making forward-looking statements about our business. And we just ask that you refer to the disclaimer and the conditions surrounding those statements. It's now my pleasure to introduce our speakers. Joining us today is our CEO, Inácio Rosado, our CFO, Rodrigo Menke, and Leonardo Coelho, our Senior Vice President of Mining, as well the Investor Relations Team. With that, I'm going to go ahead and turn the call over to Inácio. So, Inácio, please go ahead. Thank you very much, Roberta, and thanks to everyone for being with us this morning. This is my first formal interaction with the financial community since I was appointed CEO. It is a privilege to lead this company and be part of this very talented group of people. During my transition period, I had the opportunity to visit all the operations, and I believe we have world-class assets with high safety and environmental standards. I'm also impressed by the commitment of all the team and a strong culture based on diversity. Please, let's move now to slide number three, where we will begin our presentation. In slide number three, as you can see in our highlights, 2021 was a very strong year for Nexa. We had a strong operating results and achieved guidance in production, mining cash costs, and metal sales. Aripuaná is on track to production, and we believe it will become a flagship operation with a long life of mine. I will also give some updates on our exploration program. 
we have been very successful in finding potential in most of our mines. We have continued to benefit from high base metal prices that combined with our strong operational performance generated a high adjusted EBITDA and a strong cash flow generation. Our balance sheet continues to be strong with available cash of over a billion dollars and a low financial leverage. Finally, we remain very optimistic about market fundamentals. Moving now to the next slide, slide number four, I will discuss our results in more detail. In this slide, you can see that zinc production in the fourth quarter of last year decreased by 12% compared to the fourth quarter of 2020. This was mainly driven by lower production in Cerro Lindo due to the expected lower average grade and temporary reduction in production due to a community stoppage in December. However, in 2021, zinc production reached 320,000 tons, which is 2% higher than in 2020. This increase was possible due to the higher production in our mines in Peru, but partially offset by lower production in our Basante mine because of the Extremo Norte suspension. This area of the mine restarted its activities during the fourth quarter of 21 ahead of our initial plan. Mining cash cost in 2021 decreased by 45% compared to the prior year, and this was mainly explained by higher pro by products and lower pieces. It is worth mentioning that we had increases in operating costs related to maintenance activities and third-party services. And we also face and continue facing inflationary cost pressures. Now moving to the smelting segment. In 2021, metal sales total 619,000 tons, 6% higher than in 2020, mainly due to a higher production in Cajamarquilla. In this smelter, despite the stoppage of our calcine supplier, Dolran, at the beginning of the year, we were able to source material from third-party companies and increase our sales year over year. Our smelting cash cost in 2021 increased by 39% compared to the one in 2020. And this was mainly driven by higher LME prices that increased 33% and lower TCs. Now, moving to the next slide, to the completion of our Aripuana project. In Aripuana, we made a strong progress in 2021. Overall physical progress has reached more, more than 99% at the end of December. Mechanical completion is almost concluded and commissioning is underway in parallel. It is worth mentioning that during the last two months, productivity of the workforce went down due to heavy rains and the impact of the Omicron virus. 
These effects, combined with engineering issues, added additional pressures on costs and in the project timeline. Considering these effects, the ramp-up is now scheduled for the early third quarter of 2022. In my development, we have been very successful developing our ADEX and LINK mines and have reached 2.5 months of production in stockpiles. I had the opportunity to visit Aripuana in December last year, and I am impressed with the high quality of infrastructure, a strong mine development program, and potential to grow research. I am confident that Aripuana will become a long-life flagship mine. Moving now to the next slide, where I will give you an update on exploration. In 2021, we executed over 110,000 meters of exploratory drilling. At Cerro Lindo, the discovery of the Pucasaya mineralized body opens a large and promising brownfield exploration zone. At Basante, the brownfield exploration confirmed the extension of ore bodies, especially in Extremo North. At Aripuana, exploration drilling continued at Babasú ore body with very promising results. In the following slide, we show that at the Pasco complex, the results on our Sara ore body are very promising, and we are aggressively drilling the San Gerardo pit to extend its life. In Bon Suceso, our advanced project that will accommodate its ore in the Morro Agudo plant, our exploration plan is reflecting continuity in the parallel ore body. Finally, I would like to comment on Hilarion, where the 2021 drilling campaign was completed and confirms the continuity of minerals in the southern extension. Moving to the next slide to show our financial results. Beginning with a chart of, on your upper left, consolidated net revenue for the fourth quarter grew 7% compared to the fourth quarter of 2020. This was mainly driven by higher LME prices. In all 2021, net revenue increased by 34% compared to 2020 due to the higher prices and volumes already explained before. However, consolidated adjusted EBITDA for the quarter decreased by 19%, and this was explained by. Number one, we have recognized a non-cash impact of $6 million related to our annual asset retirement obligation. Second, due to the sharp increases in metal prices at the end of the year, we had a temporary difference in the hedge book with a negative impact of $18 million. Such impact is expected to be reversed in the upcoming months as the stock position turns over. Last, the temporary decline in Cerro Lindo affected the production, and this was on community relation problems. 
Nevertheless, the adjusted EBITDA for 2021 was a record high and increased 75% to $704 million. This was driven by higher volumes and increases in price. In the next slide, I will discuss the financial performance by segment. In the mining segment, net revenue total $323 million in the fourth quarter of 21, an increase 20% versus 2020. This was mainly driven by higher average LME prices and lower benchmark TCs. Adjusted EBITDA followed the upward trend and reached $110 million, 26% higher compared to the fourth quarter of 2020. In all 21, mining net revenue grew 56% to $1.2 billion, supported by the same effect mentioned before. Adjusted EBITDA was $441 million in 2021, resulting from a strong performance across all mines. In the smelting segment, net revenue in the fourth quarter of 21 totaled 516 million and rose 7% versus the same quarter in 2020, also supported by higher LME prices. Adjusted EBITDA was 27 million, a decrease compared to the fourth quarter of 2020, mainly explained by lower volumes and TCs, and in addition to the factors I mentioned in the previous slides. In 2021, net revenue grew 31% to $2 billion and was also supported by higher LME prices and the increase in sales volume, while adjusted EBITDA was almost flat year over year. On slide 11, we can see the strong operating cash generation of $277 million. Most of this cash flow has been invested in Adipona. We have, we have also prepaid debt of $276 million and paid dividends of $52 million, which includes Polaris dividends paid to minorities. With all these effects, presented in the slide, free cash flow in 2021 was a negative $342 million. This negative effect was possible to be financed due to our strong cash balance explained in the following slide. In this slide, you can see that our liquidity remains strong as we continue to report a healthy balance sheet with an extended debt profile. By the end of the year, our current available liquidity was $1.1 billion, which includes our undrawn revolving credit facility of $300 million. As of December 31st, the average maturity of our total debt was 5.3 years with a 4.7% average debt cost. Our leverage measured by the net debt to adjusted EBITDA ratio 
decreased to 1.37 times from 2.29 times at the end of 2020. And this was mainly driven by higher adjusted EBITDA explained before. Now moving on to slide 13, where we present the market fundamentals. In this slide, we want to show you that the average price in 2021 increased more than 30% year over year. During the last months of 2021, the price had a stability between 3,300 and 3,400 per ton. And more recently, the price has increased and was trading above 3,600 per ton. Copper prices also follow this upward trend and increased by 50% in 21 compared to 2020. Regarding market fundamentals, you can see that the supply projections for zinc are above real mine production. And this effect combined with the strong demand create a strong scenario for zinc in the coming months. So in a scenario where macroeconomic factors should be less volatile, the price of zinc should reflect market fundamentals, meaning that prices are expected to be at high levels in the coming months. I will now turn over the call to Rodrigo Menk, our CFO, who will comment on our three-year guidance. Rodrigo, please. Thank you, Inácio, and good day, everyone. As shown on slide 16, for 2022, zinc production at the mid-range of the guidance is estimated to decrease by 5% from 2021, driven by expected lower grades from Cerro Lindo and the temporary capacity reduction in Vazante as a consequence of heavy rainfalls in the states of Minas Gerais. For 2023, Zinc production is estimated to increase 16% over 2022 due to the startup of Aripona and with a further 1% in 2024 over 2023. At the midpoint of the guidance range, copper production in 2022 is forecasted to increase 6% on average compared to 2021, mostly driven by Cerro Lindo and Aripona. On the same basis, lead production follows the trend and should increase by 5%. In terms of cash cost, we estimate mining average cash cost of 23 cents per pound in 2022 compared with 21 cents per pound in 2021. As we forecast, inflationary pressures impacting third-party services, logistics, and consumable goods, continued health protocols to fight COVID-19, which should be partially offset by higher byproduct credits in our Peruvian mines and cost reduction and operation efficiency initiatives. Turning to slide 17 for our smelting segment three-year guidance. Metal sales volume in 2022 at the midpoint of the guidance range is estimated to decrease 7% from 2021 due to lower production. As we disclosed in the first quarter of 21, our calcine supplier in Peru shut down its facility, and for the forecasted period, we are assuming it will not resume activities. The temporary decrease in Vazante's mine production is also impacting the production of our smelters in Brazil during 2022. For 2023 24, 
we assume supply from our mines maintains historical levels, and thus we expect sales volume to increase over 2022. Despite such decrease in volumes, we remain focused in improving the profitability of our business. In terms of cash costs, we estimate smelting average cash costs of $1.15 per pound in 2022, as we forecast inflationary cost pressure on third party services, consumable and labor costs, higher energy prices, and concentrate prices at higher levels, which should be partially offset by higher byproduct credits and continued cost reduction initiatives. Turning now to the next slide, slide 18. For 2022, we expect capital expenditures of $385 million. We estimate to invest additional $55 million to conclude the implementation of the Aripuanam project. Sustaining investments are expected to total $256 million, including $42 million to Aripuanam's sustaining expenses. Also, we expect to invest $12 million in technology and contribute $5 million to our host community, where we invest in education, training, and we endeavor to hire local services, supporting their social and economic development. In terms of mineral exploration and project evaluation, in 2022, we estimate a total investment of $82 million, as we maintain our efforts to replace and increase mineral reserves and resources, supporting our business growth. Moving to slide 19, where we provide more details of our exploration strategy for 2022. We plan to drill over 120,000 meters, being approximately 63,000 meters in Peru, 50,000 meters in Brazil, and the remaining amount in Namibia. Our focus is to expand mineral resources through brownfield and infield drilling near operating lines and extension drilling on advanced projects. I will now handle the call back to Inácio for his final remarks. Inácio, please. Thank you, Meng. I am, I am now on slide 20. I would like to close this presentation by briefly explaining our priorities for this year. We need to focus on taking Aripuaná into production and work on its life of mine extension. We also need to continue working on improving our cash generation from our operations. I believe there is still room for cost reductions and capex optim optimization. Extending our life of mine of our mine assets is also a priority and this action has to be implemented in combination with a clear growth strategy in copper. Finally, a strong balance sheet is a priority so we can fund most of our growth with our cash flow. Thank you all for attending this presentation. I will now open up for questions. We will now begin the question and answer session. To ask a question, you may press star then one on your touchtone phone. If you are using a speakerphone, please pick up your handset before pressing the keys. To withdraw your question, please press star then 2. You may also send questions via the chat at the webcast platform. At this time, we will pause momentarily to assemble the roster.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. And our first question will come from Carlos D'Alba of Morgan Stanley. Please go ahead. Yeah, good morning, everyone. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, Ignacio, good luck uh, with, with uh, your, um, your new responsibilities as, as CEO. Um, I have a couple of questions, maybe three questions. One is uh, on the smelting results in the fourth quarter, which uh, were very challenging um, and, and below what we were expecting. Uh, and those are related to the price effects. Um, one is, is the hedge, and the other is the uh, the uh, what it was called uh, adjustments on the quotation period uh, in in that operation. Um, could you maybe give us a little bit more color uh, on the quotation period? That that maybe that is provisional pricing, but but that, what we see is that sink prices increase following September 30th, um, and and therefore we would probably expect a, a positive impact on on higher sink prices um, versus the curve that existed at the end of, of the third quarter. So some, some color there will be appreciated. Maybe we just didn't have it clear. Uh, and then on the hedging also, could, could you, um, you know, give us some comment as to what exactly uh, is the smelting business being hedged or, or is, is, has been hedging uh, given that prices went up and, and that would have been a negative for the smelting business, but um, we would have thought that then the hedges would have give you a uh, positive uh, benefit or positive result um, as, as potentially that was what uh, we would expect uh, the company what was going to try it, uh, and hedge. And then um, finally, if you could give us some color on what are the conversion costs embedded in the guidance for smelting in the 2022 to 2024 period. Thank you very much. Okay, Carlos. Thank, thank you for the questions. Do you listen to me? Do you listen? So, uh, Menk is going to give you uh, more color on the on the uh, detail on hedge, but first I would like to commend that uh, uh, and re reiterate what happened in what I explained in the in the presentation that the hit we got in uh, the fourth quarter of uh, uh, 2021. And, and this was a, a, a big hit in, the, in our EBITDA, was around $40 million. One was because of Cerro Lindo, $6 million. And this was this four-year stoppage that we have because of community relations programs. The second one was a $6 million related to mine closure effects. This is a non-cash item. This is a provision. Yeah. The third uh, uh, event that happened is that there are almost 10 million on Aripuana that there are expenses uh, such as uh, uh, insurance and other expenses, uh, uh, the construction of the hospital in the town and, and, and others that you cannot, you cannot capitalize in the project. So these are new to us. So these, these were mainly uh, uh, affecting the fourth quarter 
of uh, 2021. And on top of this were the $18 million on hedge that hit us. But it's very important that we know that this effect is going to reverse. So Rodrigo is going to explain uh, this effect to you uh, uh, more clear so you can get a flavor of what's happening and how is this going to reverse. Carlos, nice talking to you. Uh, the hedge that we do is not hedge on pricing for final sales only. This would be fixing the, the, the revenues and this is not the intention. What we call here hedge book is uh, to match the QPs for the, the, the concentrate we buy from third parties uh, in relation to the zinc metal that we're selling on the other end originated by this third party concentrate. So the idea here is, is pretty much to match the cash flow from what we buy, which usually is a, a, a QP uh, M minus one, and then what we sell, which is the QP of the month, and we try to match this. There is a part of the entry of the concentrate and the zinc metal that goes to inventory. And this is what imbalanced this specific hedge because there was a, an increased position in inventory, which will be sold in the coming months and will reverse the negative uh, impact of the hedge of that month when it turns into cash generation. Do you see my point? Do, is it clear? Yeah, yeah, thank you, Rodrigo. Yeah, and, and, and one, one more comment, Carlos, because we were reading uh, most of the reports uh, that, that came out this morning, and, and, we, and we, we, we thank you for that, is that in terms of costs, yeah, the cost, the cost per ton uh, in the mine and the, and the cash cost uh, overall uh, were in line with what we had. We didn't have increases on those. We had uh, inflationary pressures. Uh, in, in some uh, 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 items that we don't control. And we have some maintenance, uh, uh, additional costs, and some, some uh, third-party services costs that are, uh, always happens when we have uh, 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 prices that go up, you know? Costs related to labor, because uh, uh, people demand more salaries, costs uh, related to oil, Cost related to, to to energy today, energy today is going up, uh, and, and and others. So we have been able to offset most of those with some productivity measures. So the the cost part at, at the mines uh, is is becoming flat, and we are expecting a similar uh, trends in 2022. So so I, I I wanted to to tell you this because this is important for us uh, uh, that you will know we will provide uh, in the coming months uh, more color on costs. We know that we disclose costs uh, on, a, on a cash cost per pound basis, and we would like you to expose more in terms of costs at the smelting and at the mines. Thank you. And just on cost then, uh, or the guidance on smelting cost, um, you provide the cash cost guidance. Can you give us the underlying assumptions for conversion costs that uh, basically do not include the benefit of uh, byproducts? Uh, we, do, we don't have that information to be disclosed now, Carlos. Uh, conversion cost is something that we are following up constantly so that we can have a reliable source of information. And once we have the performance of this specific KPI, we intend to disclose uh, an additional guidance for next year. So I would ask you for a bit of patience so that you can follow up this uh, this information in the coming quarters. 
All right. Thank you very much, Rodrigo. Thank you, Carlos. The next question comes from Jackie Prisbalowski of BMO Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Thanks very much. I, I wanted to just go back to the Aripana project. Uh, I think um, I think actually this question was last last quarter. Um, but if, can you maybe talk about the um, the gap between the hot commissioning or the hot and cold commissioning? I think uh, which has already started and the uh, first production, which um, looks like it's now been pushed back by two quarters to Q3 2022. Uh, what what exactly what activities do you do uh, in the meantime uh, to get to that first production after the commissioning has been completed? The uh, what what really happened, Jackie? Here is that we were somehow optimistic in the guidance we gave before, yeah, uh, uh, and and I guess we were the factors that we were considered in our timetable uh, really went wrong. What happened was that uh, between December and January, they were, I mean, we were impacted by rainfalls, but really heavy rainfalls. We were impacted by, by the Omicron uh, virus that, and the two of them combined, reduced the productivity of, of labor force, yeah? And that, that is one effect. The, the second one is uh, related to a turnover, yeah? You know that, when you have like, uh, you are towards the end of the project, yeah? Most of the workers, knowing that the project is finishing, they, they try to go to, to different areas so they can uh, work on new projects and have more stability. So we had like 1,500 people in the last six months that, that, that leave the project. They were leaving the project and we needed to hire more uh, and we hire almost 700, but hiring the cycle uh, takes at least three weeks, so it's not that easy, yeah. And this this effect was uh, more relevant uh, towards the end of the year. And then we also had some uh, problems uh, with uh, uh, engineering, especially in piping, you know, and and this is something that I don't know if if the company explained before, but when you have a, a design that uh, has some gaps when it started, at the end of the project, uh, most likely it will hit you because uh, some of the, of the pump, pump, uh, uh, piping design and some of the piping infrastructure uh, won't match. And you have to fix that, and that, that takes some days and sometimes weeks, yeah? And on top of that, I can comment on, a, a, and this is in mechanical completion, a, the, a, some quality of equipment that a, was not built a, on a specifications or, or a specific, a specifications were a little bit different than what we had. So what we did is we have a, a lot of detail on this in December and, and, and January. And we knew that this was gonna be a delay, yeah? So we put a, a, a plan to try to catch up to this, but it was very difficult because we are finishing the project and, and, and you cannot change that much of what you have. So what we are doing is that uh, we're saying that mechanical completion 
is finishing. I mean, it's very, very close to finish. So this is something that we don't see a delay on that. Commissioning is underway, and we are following up commissioning in a, in a, in a very close way. And uh, the ramp up will come after commissioning, but you know, and well, at least uh, 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 this is the experience that we have uh, be between the commissioning and the ramp up. I mean, it could be one or two weeks of delay because it's always a, a matter of the process. So with all these factors, yeah, we wanted to be more, uh, uh, give more clarity to the market. I know that the market uh, uh, was not expecting this. I know that we have been missing this guidance in the last year, and this project was a, a difficult one and, and created a, a sort of gaps on credibility on Nexa. But the only thing that we can do now is make sure that we finish the project in, in a good way, yeah? And uh, uh, we are expecting to start uh, the ramp up and, and production in the third quarter, hopefully early third quarter, we will keep you uh, up to date. Yeah. So having said this, given that uh, I am I am new, yeah, to this, and I understand all this frustration of the market, I I really Jackie want to to focus on uh, on the future of of Aripuana because yes, we spent more than six hundred million dollars here, yeah. This mine is going to become a reality this year. And uh, what I have seen in terms of uh, uh, the future of Aripona is, is very good because uh, the ramp up, uh, the mine is, is prepared for the ramp up. The mine is, uh, is prepared for the, for the plan for, for the following 2023. And today we have like uh, 11 years of reserves, yeah. And I believe that because of this uh, uh, potential in Babasu and, and this infield drilling that we are doing on our resources, I believe that we could expand the life of mine going forward. Uh, and we have very aggressive targets for 22 and 23. So uh, in summary, we were optimistic on the, the timeline. Uh, this effects that I explained hit us uh, uh, very much. We are towards finishing this. It's, it's going to be easier in terms of we know what we need to do. We will make sure that we are tight uh, on, on doing what we need to do. Uh, we are focusing on the on the ramp up. And also, uh, we are focusing on the future of Aripuana. So hopefully, uh, once we finish this and, 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 and we show you the uh, upside on Aripuana, hopefully uh, you will see that uh, what I see, which is a very good project, uh, executed probably in a, in, a, in a not that very well way, and, and we recognize that as a, as a company, but it's a very good project that going forward is going to create value for next. So that's more or less, Jackie, the explanation. That's super helpful. Thank you very much, Ignacio. Next question comes from Lawson Winder of Bank of America Security. Please go ahead. Uh, hello, Ignacio, Rodrigo, Roberta, and uh, team. Thank you for the update. Um, I, I would like to get an um, understanding of uh, the impact of 
uh, COVID and absenteeism and what your outlook is for that to improve. So, so how, how has that trended so far in January? And, and when do you expect you can get back to a point where, you know, absenteeism is back at a manageable level, particularly with, with respect to Ari Kwanya, but, um, you know, also with the uh, other operating underground mines and, and even the smelters to the extent that uh, they were impacted. Thanks very much. No problem. Yeah. You know, it's good the question because we have to separate Aripuana with the other mines because Aripuana is a project that has a, a workers that do a specific areas and that if, we, if you don't have them, you get a, a productivity problems. So Aripuana got at the peak almost uh, 900 people that were positive. You know that Omicron is not a, a, a virus that is a, a heavy today. I mean, if you are vaccinated, you don't, uh, you don't go to the hospital, uh, you, don't, you don't get sick. Uh, sometimes, yes, but it's, it's, not, it's, not the, it's not the trend. But you have to isolate the people because that, that's the protocol and that's a responsible thing to do. So in the case of Aripuana, replacing these people was, was very difficult, yeah? In the case of the mines, even if we were following the same effects and we were seeing a, a, a increases in positive cases a week on week since I would say last week of December and January and towards the end of January, yeah? In some of the mines we have 300, 400 cases that were not present. You can uh, focus on activities that are uh, uh, related to the production, uh, and this happened. No, uh, we were hit in Peru more because uh, 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 the the loss in Peru, when you have when you are positive, at the beginning you needed to isolate uh, people for 14 days. It went down uh, to 10 days, and after that went down to seven. But in Brazil it was easier because it was only seven days. So. So the, the, the people going back to the, to the mines and smelters in Brazil was faster than in Peru. So, but what we did was uh, try to make sure that with all these safety protocols that we follow, we make sure that the main activities do not affect production uh, were being taken care of. So we got some uh, delays on uh, let's say development of the ramps and the, and the stops, uh, some uh, projects that uh, uh, are delayed right now, but these are not critical uh, for this uh, quarterly production. However, we will need to catch up uh, with those activities in the future, yeah, and we are taking care of those activities right now. So the short question is, the COVID uh, didn't impact the mines and the smelters, impacted the, the Aripuana project. And because, and this is the case in Brazil and in Peru, and I would say most of the countries, the trend is going down uh, of positive cases in most. And this is not deception for NEXA. So uh, since the last two weeks, we have been, do, uh, uh, we, 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 we've been looking at trends that are negative positive cases are lower now. So we are recovering from that uh, uh, and, and we are uh, uh, doing much better. I think, I think it's worth mentioning, 
and, and this is the case of the mining industry and especially with Nexa, is that we have been able to uh, 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 manage, I mean, we are, we are very robust in COVID protocols today. In Nexa, we have uh, two weeks, two, two meetings a week uh, where we evaluate every case and we evaluate uh, all the operations and what are affecting them. Uh, not only to follow on, on COVID, but also to make sure that the safety standards are always there. Yeah. So this, uh, I, I guess, the for this Omicron virus, the worst uh, uh, has ended. We don't know if more viruses uh, uh, similar to Omicron will come, but we believe that we are prepared for that. Yeah. We are not projecting that in our in our uh, estimates, in our projections, but we, I, we believe that we are prepared for that. And I think the world is prepared for that as well. So we're following that trend. Okay, th thanks very much for that. Um, also, I I'd like to ask about the um, cost reduction initiatives and particularly for 2022, you know, which of those do you view as the most promising and could we start to see those flowing through with uh, lower uh, 2023 uh, like unit cost guidance versus the, the 2022? Yeah, I, I, I think we have our VP, uh, Senior VP of Operations here. Uh, I don't know if you want to comment on those. I think I can, I can add some comment on that, Ignacio. Uh, and I think mo most of the costs cost optimization or reduction initiative, it's coming to look at all the cost lines that you have. Also addressing some productivity uh, increment that can, uh, in the end, reduce our, our cost. And this is, is changing the way you are operating nowadays, trying to offset the inflationary uh, increments that you are seeing so far. And what you are targeting right now is to really come back, look again, for some productivities and, and cross uh, initiatives that can go across all the operations so that you can try to raise new additional uh, cost initiatives to be to continue work on the program as, as we did so far. So productivity, some cost reduction, and some cost optimization were the ones that you have been followed so far. And, um, you know, would you... I don't know if you want to comment now, but just in terms of 2023, can you can you see some positive impact in, in 2023? Would that be fair to expect? It's very difficult to project that. Uh, what, what I can tell you is that uh, what we are trying to do is make sure that we uh, keep track of, of all uh, mines and smelters on a monthly basis in terms of costs and capex. Uh, what Leo is explaining is that I mean, if you see, uh, I would say, if you put all the pie on costs, 30% of the costs are uh, productivities, are people. So we are, we are, this year we are focusing on that uh, very much. Uh, we are, uh, as, as Leo was saying, uh, we are also focusing on, on all, uh, on other, on other uh, initiatives. Yeah. So this trend is, is, is going to go. And, and, and it should be impact 2023 as well. Uh, what, ha what happens with inflation in 2023, we don't know. 
but we know that most of inflation of uh, 2022 is going to be offset not only with uh, these uh, these measures at the mine, but also with other uh, I would say uh, initiatives in logistics, no? Because there are some uh, uh, prices that you don't control, no? The, the the price on oil, the price on energy you don't control, but in the prices that we control, we are trying to find more uh, initiatives to try to compensate, in part, these these pressures. But to go further to 2023, I would say is difficult. Yeah, because ah, the one factor that I would like to mention also is that the FX in Brazil has has been helping us. Uh, uh, most of the costs in Brazil are in reais, so FX is, is helping us. Not in Peru. In Peru, uh, a good part is in, in dollars, but that is helping us. So, so there are some variables that we don't control, that uh, uh, we don't know how they, they will impact in 2023. But what I can say is that what we are always aiming, and this is something that, as I explained, we're going to build a, a month on month, is to make sure that our uh, cash cost per ton that is the, the one that Leo uh, really uh, controls, uh, and, and, and Boleta and the smelters as well, uh, the conversion cost, uh, is, is, is always flat or goes down in terms of uh, uh, productivity measures that we take to be more competitive. So that's more or less this uh, explanation. Uh, so, so I don't know if you have any other questions here. Uh, no, that's abundantly clear. And, and actually, if you, if you wouldn't mind, I just had one clarification point, and, and I apologize to belabor this, but on the $18 million hedging impact from Q4, you know, should, should we be putting a positive $18 million working capital adjustment in our cash flow for, for Q1? Just, just, sorry, just to be really clear on that. Conceptually, yes, but it will depend on how this uh, inventory is realized throughout time. So conceptually, it should be the case. Of course, there are some variances, but when you consider inventories being being uh, uh, accounted for as first in, first out, this is, is diluted throughout the quarter. It's not necessarily directly 18 because they will be compensated by the incoming inventories, but uh, conceptually, you're correct. Thanks very much. Thank you. The next question comes from Oris Walkadal of Scotiabank. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning. Um, Ignacio, I'd like to get some color uh, from you just as the incoming CEO and how you see the future of Nexa with respect to growth. And, and from our perspective, obviously the development of Aeropuana has not gone uh, as expected. Um, but at the same time, it, it seems like you've lost some third-party zinc feed in Peru. So I'm wondering, you know, strategically whether you plan to, Nexa plans to take a pause on building kind of the next generation of mines to uh, generate positive free cash flow deliver, um, or whether you see moving to the next project fairly quickly in order to make up that concentrate shortfall. No, no, you're right. I, I, guess, I guess for me, there are two actions that, that we have to take here. The first one is, is if we want to make sure that we uh, deliver on cash flow in 2022. We have some targets here, and, and I can tell you that uh, our, our mines and smelters 
generate cash flow. Yeah, and 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 to give you an idea, uh, the the expenditure on Aripuaná in the last two years was 400 million dollars. So last year was 260, and this year it's 130. So it's almost 400 million dollars, and we pay that from our cash flow from operating. So what I'm trying to do, or we, what we are trying to do here is that Cerro Lindo, eh, Basanchi, and Aripuaná in 22 and 23 start uh, uh, optimize their cash flow uh, uh, with these productivity measures with this uh, optimization on capex and make sure that we uh, uh, have or optimize this cash flow from these three miles on top of that we have other two uh, uh, the, the pasco complex that is a porvenir and atacocha yeah and there has been a project around of the integration of two. These two have a lot of uh, potential underground, Atacocha a lot, but if you go directly only in Atacocha, the cost of developing that is gonna be higher, so, so you won't get reserves. But if you use the infrastructure of, of, of uh, uh, El Porvenir, and you upgrade that infrastructure, you might be able to connect them. So this project has been, a, 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 we were assessing this project in the last two years. Uh, and what I'm trying to do is, okay, we have to, we need to have a clear view on this because if we uh, are a, a, have an idea that is profitable, this, this complex is gonna also generate a lot of uh, uh, cash flow in the coming months. And I would say in the coming years, yeah? So that's a question mark that I, I, I want to uh, uh, clarify in the coming months. And if we have something, we will get back to the market. On top of that, we have a small uh, mine that is Moroagudo in Brazil that has uh, uh, all the infrastructure, has the plants, has the, the tailings dam, has uh, the camps, has, has good infrastructure. And it's a mine that doesn't generate a lot of cash flow. But there is this Bon Suceso project that is very close, yeah, and that is a, a is, in, is is going to fail three. So, if we believe we believe that is a good project, if we see that it's a project that we have to 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 implement, uh, this is this metal is going to be accommodated in Moragudo infrastructure, yeah. So, for the time being, we have three important mines that generate uh, between, I don't know, 280 to 320,000 tons of, uh, of uh, zinc. We you have Cerro Pasco that we have to uh, get clarity, and then Bon uh, Suceso Morraúl. That view that, 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 that uh, uh, I have, and, and I, I have been sharing this with the, with the team and the board, is that, okay, this, this amount of zinc in the coming years uh, is enough for us to be diversified or to be concentrated on things. We have a project that is Hilarion, very promising, but very early stage, yeah. Uh, we are assigning some budget this year, but it's, a, it's something that is early stage, and we will evaluate if we will be Hilarion in the future, yeah. And, and that's the sink part of the, of the equation. The other part of the equation is, okay, guys, we have to diversify the metal and we have to enter in copper, yeah? And what we are aiming to do in copper is, today we produce 
30,000 uh, tons of copper. So we are aiming to produce more, to, to, to produce at least two or three times of copper. So many things or many alternatives to do that. So you go into your uh, pipeline and you see that you have a magistral. Yeah, my, I, I had a, a quick view on Magistral, and I, I, I went through all the details, and we have a lot of discussions, and I think Magistral is a good point. It's in Peltry, yeah, but uh, we are assessing, again, the CAPEX, yeah, and we are assessing the country. Uh, I am Peruvian, I, I know Peru, and I don't think that this government is going to create a, a lot of impact in the mining sector in Peru, but this project is going to be built in the coming years. So you don't know what will happen in Peru in the future. And as a company, uh, we need to diversify risks from Peru, especially from Peru. I have a very positive view on Brazil. So Magistral will compete with other opportunities that we will see in the market. Yeah, and uh, uh, these opportunities will be, we will try to have these opportunities in producing mines and in close to producing mines, in brownfield projects. Which ones are the best? You know, depends on, uh, uh, on the assessment. Uh, uh, I mean, we know that all of them are always expensive, and this is the case of the market, so we have to be patient, but we have to be very active. We have to be very active on those. So for that, uh, we are putting together a, a team, uh, a, a team that is going to take care of that, and that team has to be active in the market, looking for opportunities. We are open to have JVs here to to get uh, bigger projects. We are open to to, to many alternatives here, because we want to make sure that with the zinc as a base and uh, having exposure to copper we will have a more diversified company. The, the third pillar is uh, the smelting business, yeah? And I know that the, the company has been uh, talking about the smelting business being integrated with the mines, yeah? Uh, my view is that uh, uh, the smelting business is strong enough to be uh, isolated and to be profitable by themselves. What I'm trying to say here is that Cajamarquilla, which is a a fantastic uh, operation uh, uh, has to look for, for options in the market to get an, uh, the concentrates and, and feed the plant. It's a very, very efficient smelter uh, uh, and makes a lot of money. These next years, uh, uh, the byproducts are helping very much, uh, the sulfuric acid especially. Uh, Tres Marias is integrated with Basante. Basante is a, a long life of mine, so Tres Marias will be there uh, uh, for many years. And in the case of Luis de Fora, it's not that big, but it's very efficient and it, it gets cash flow. So I guess the strategic plan for the smelters will be, okay, guys, how are we going to transform it in terms of technology, these uh, three smelters? How are we going to be able to recover uh, other byproducts? And how are we going to position these smelters to be low uh, transformation costs in the future? So this is, this is more or less the, the, the overall strategy that we have. I guess that it's uh, somehow easy to explain. I, I, I guess that it's going to be very uh, difficult to implement. But we have clarity on that. So we will, we will know.
Thank you. I appreciate the color. So our next question comes from the webcast, uh, Isabella Vasconcelos from Bradesco. Uh, good morning. We would like to know your view on the zinc market outlook given recent strong performance and all capital allocation strategy. Should we expect higher dividends while growth projects post Aripona take some time to material, materialize? Yeah, okay. As we were saying in the presentation, uh, the zinc uh, market outlook is strong today. Uh, many factors. Uh, mine supply is, is today uh, low, and uh, you can see that in the treatment, treatment charges going up. Uh, and I mean, it, it won't be a dramatic uh, uh, increase in, in TCs, but we, we are seeing uh, TCs going up, and this is because mine supply. Uh, is not uh, catching up with the projections of the market. You go to the smelters, and smelters are facing uh, a lot of costs, especially in, in energy costs. And you have you have uh, you have the news that some smelters are announcing that they will cut production because they don't want to face these costs, and the conversion costs are too high for them to operate. So, so you are you have a scarcity on metal as well. And on top of that. You have a, a world that is a, the, the fundamentals of the demand are there, and uh, the world is, is demanding the, the thing uh, uh, right now. So, in this equation, zinc uh, should uh, be high in the coming months. What could happen in I don't know towards the end of the year? We don't know, but this trend is is gonna. We believe this trend is gonna be or, or gonna prevail. In the uh, in the coming months, uh, regarding the the capital structure, yeah, as as I was saying in the in the presentation, we have a, a, a like a in debt we have a, a maturity of more than five years, so so it's very uh, 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 goes goes uh, uh, very far in the years. We have a cash on balance, yeah, and. As I was saying, we are trying to build uh, also cash flow uh, in these coming years, uh, and that cash flow part of it will go to a, a dividend. Yes, uh, I'm new to this, and I don't have a, 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 a probably Rodrigo can help me with that. Uh, I don't have like a, a, the policy of dividends, but we will give dividends back to the to the to the shareholders. Yeah, and we will keep some cash flow to to fund this growth. No, the same that we did in Aripona, we're going to do that. And if we have some a, a, a good opportunities that are above the cash flow that we generate and the balance sheet that we generate, we will assess, assess other alternatives. We have discussed this with the board, uh, uh, with some shareholders, and, and, and they are open to see alternatives if we create value. So, so I guess uh, there is clarity around that. I don't know, Rodrigo, if you can talk about the dividend. Well, as you all know, our dividend policy states that we should pursue at least 2% of market cap uh, around the, the, the payment. Uh, our payment yield has been above that. Last year, uh, which was reflecting the, the tough year of 2020, we paid around 2.5%. Uh, and this year, we're pursuing a bit further. In the previous years, right after the IPO, we, we paid a larger amount. Every
every year this is this is uh, this is really analyzed and presented to the board as a way to really remunerate our shareholders the best way for keeping uh, this fatal with us and in our growth uh, strategy and our efficiency projects. That's it. Let's see how the market reacts and how we perform, and then we, next year we'll come with a different proposal. Okay. There's one more question. Uh, we answered this question? Yes. yes. Okay, so yes. so do you want to read the, the last question? Or? We have. We don't have time? No, no, we are running a little bit out of time, so, but we have time for one more question, and all after that, the, we will respond to the questions to the IR team. Okay, so do, do you want me to read the question, or could you read the question? Yes, I can read the question, no problem. So the next question comes from Bastian. Can you give more detail about the Aripona ramp-up delay? I think that COVID and rainfall seems like a very general explanation for a delay of two quarters in the ramp-up. Should we expect more delays in the future? Thanks. Yeah, I, I guess, as, as I explained to Jackie before, uh, we, are, uh, we were a little, uh, some way optimistic on the timetable, and, and we were considering that uh, these factors of, of rain and, and COVID were not affecting us, and, and but we also have other factors, as I explained, with a, 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 a gaps in engineering, some uh, quality uh, problems with equipment. That is, I mean, uh, something that is common in this at the end of this of this project. So we are on top of things right now. Uh, I, I cannot tell you that we, we we expect more delays. Yeah, but I think that given that we are very very close to finish the project. Uh, I would say that we are trying to be very conservative with the with the projections that we are showing to you today. So we make sure that we deliver on those. Having said that, again, we want to make sure that we focus on the Aripona of the future. And for that, we will show you the potential of the of Aripona and, and how this mine, even if this was a, a, a project that was not very good executed, this project is going to be a very important project for the future of next. So that, that's more or less. I don't know if there is other question or we, we have to. Okay, so. Excuse me? That concludes our question and answer session. Now we will hand over to Ignacio for his final remarks. Mr. Rosado, please go ahead. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for all uh, uh, the, the, the questions and for attending this call. It's very important for us to make sure that we you understand the plans of the, of the company. Yeah, uh, I'm very excited with this position. Uh, I guess it's a it's a it's a big challenge for me. I think. Uh, uh, we have everything to to make sure that we create a, a Nexa. Uh, uh, that creates value uh, to shareholders. We have very good assets. We have a, a very good, uh, well-managed smelters. I guess uh, it's, it's, it's something that we have to work on uh, probably more cash generation and show the market this more cash generation. And the other thing is that we wanna be closer to the market. Yeah, I, I'm not saying that we are not close, but uh, now that COVID uh, uh, is, is towards ending, no? And we can we can have like a more a face-to-face 
uh, meetings, we are planning to be close to, to, to uh, all the financing, financial community to, to explain the plans of NEXA so you get to know us uh, uh, better. Uh, I, I, I think that we have to be more conservative on guidance, yeah, because at the end of the day, uh, uh, it's important the production, it's important to achieve all, all these metrics, and we have to be uh, cautious on that. But I think most important is to focus on profitability. And at the end of the day, profitability is cash flow. So uh, this is more or less uh, what we are aiming to do this year. Again, thank you very much for the time. And uh, we will speak soon in the, in the first quarter uh, results and uh, hopefully visiting you in, in the coming months. So thank you very much uh, and good morning. The conference is now concluded. Thank you for attending today's presentation and you may now disconnect. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit make these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Superlight Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The eucalyptus fiber upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Superlight Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Superlight shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And, because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's allbirds.com code SUPER24. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.